HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Welcome to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. I'm Erica Wides, the creator and your host of Let's Get Real. You may remember me as the host of Why We Cook here on Heritage Radio Network. This is my new show, Let's Get Real. I have been cooking and teaching and talking about food for a living for over 20 years. And I'm also a chef instructor here in New York City at the Institute of Culinary Education. So Let's Get Real is a show about food. I'm a chef. That's what I know is food. But it's also a show about something that I like to call foodiness. The best way to introduce the idea of foodiness is to take you back to the dark days of the Bush years when Stephen Colbert coined his brilliant term truthiness. Truthiness was about telling you lies so often and so convincingly that you began to believe it. Because everybody was saying these lies and everybody was believing them. And they were lies that came from the gut, not from fact, but from emotion. 
not anything proven, not everything, anything researched. So it came from the gut. So it had to have been true, right? Well, foodiness is truthiness ingested. Foodiness is the opposite of food. It's everything the food industrial complex wants you to think is food so that you'll buy their products and you'll drink their lye-spiked Kool-Aid and stop buying and cooking actual food. Why We Cook was about how cooking made us human, how our harnessing of fire and creating the art of cooking gave us a relationship to our food and to each other and made us a civilized society. Foodiness is about how industrialized food is making us inhuman, shattering our connection with real food and feeding us fabrications and simulations of food. Foodiness is turning us into those chubby, slushy, slurping, lounge chair-bound morons in Wally, plugged in, pumped full of sugar, and brain dead. But what's really evil about foodiness is that it isn't just what we used to call junk food way back when. It's a junk food wolf in a health food sheep's clothing. Back in the day, back when I was young, you know, 70s, 80s, you could, you could kind of tell the difference between junk food, like candy bars or popsicles, and food, like chicken or vegetables. Between food that we recognized and could pretty easily name the source of, like an apple, and food that... We didn't really have a clue where it came from, and we didn't really want to know, like a Twinkie. There was a line, and you could recognize it, usually. There was food. There was junk food. It was pretty easy back then. You knew the difference. You knew where each one stood. But now there's foodiness. Foodiness brings us things like power bars or protein brownies or soy burger patties or veggie-dusted cheesy puffs, and water in a bottle that makes you thin and young and smart. I mean, we used to innocently wonder what they put in Pop Rocks to make them explode in your mouth. Pop Rocks were nothing compared to foodiness. So in this foodiness era that we're in now, it's hard for even diehard foodies to know what they're eating or drinking. That's because food used to be something that didn't need a modifier. It was food. If it walked or swam or flew or grew out of the ground, you could pretty much figure out that it was food. If it was something that had to take a pit stop off at Monty Burns nuclear plant on the way to your stomach or on the way to your plate, that's not food. And if it's disguised in an organic corn syrup wig and a soy protein mustache, it's foodiness. And even today, things that we call whole foods aren't even as whole as they appear. You can be sure that those genetically modified green beans you're eating are not the ones your granny ate sitting on the porch. She would not recognize those green beans in their microwavable steam-and-eat plastic pouch with butter-flavored sauce included. My grandmother would have peed in her knee-highs if she saw green beans in a microwavable plastic pouch with butter sauce included. That wasn't food. So from green tea hijacked into soft drinks that are sweetened with corn syrup and dyed with green coloring to farm-raised salmon swimming through Iowa cornfields as it grazes to taco beef that's only 
one-third actual meat, or a coffee creamer made from petroleum, or organic Star Wars character-shaped fruit gummies with added vitamin C, or Jamie Lee Curtis telling you that you're not pooping enough, so you need to buy her special yogurt. Most of what we're being fed today isn't actually made entirely from food. It's something else. And we've all willingly or unwillingly ingested this something else, this foodiness into our lives. You know, and don't be fooled. Foodiness isn't just for the masses. I'm guilty as charged. Foodiness isn't limited to the the chicken nuggets and Pop-Tarts crowd. There's like a health halo of marketing. It's a, a genius marketing ploy of a health halo that's kind of been wrapped around all kinds of foodiness so that it passes as real food or not even just real food but food that's really good for you so whether you're like the enlightened you know health food whole food kind of shopper buying your soy protein bars and your veggie puffs or you're the more the type who eats at mcdonald's and buys microwave pancakes you're ingesting foodiness either way the problem isn't the same we're not consuming food as much as we're consuming like an edible manufactured doppelganger designed to look and taste like food, but isn't really food. So if you're old enough, like I am, to remember Soylent Green, remember Soylent Green, the movie? Well, if you don't remember Soylent Green, you need to immediately go and put it in your Netflix queue so that you know what I'm talking about. So you'll be up to speed next week when I quiz you on Soylent Green. But if you remember Soylent Green, it took place in the post-apocalyptic land of New York, and food was being made from people. Now, sorry, I know, I just gave away the ending to the movie, so, but maybe you'll forget by the time you, you rent it and watch it on Netflix. But I had to give away the ending because it's important. Charlton Heston was the star of it, and it freaked him out. He found out that the food was being made from people, and that was sort of the climax of the movie as he figured that out. Charlton Heston was freaked out by that. I'm getting freaked out by foodiness. Now, foodiness may not actually be made from people yet. We haven't gone that far. But it's more like, to me, it's more like eating, I don't know, like carpeting. Something really abstract like that. You know, consciously, overtly, rationally that it's not food. So you wouldn't eat it. I mean, even no matter how, you know, how bad you've got the munchies, you still would never eat the carpeting. But foodiness is packaged and flavored as food. So you'll eat it even though it's not food. You see what I mean? So a walk down any grocery store aisle anywhere in any town will show you that, you know, foodiness has become incredibly convenient. It's much easier for you to grab that package, that process, that that portion size, fun-shaped, fun-sized thing Because the foodiness is convenient, but the actual real food has become inconvenient. So convenience foods have taken over to such a degree that actually finding real food has become an inconvenient reality. I mean, at least in your average, you know, American megamart. And, you know, you could grow your own vegetables. You could raise your urban chickens. You could be a locavore. You could require a birth certificate for every piece of salmon you eat. And that's all a really great idea. And there are a lot of people who do that. And, you know, here in Bushwick, Brooklyn, that's what's expected. And that's the norm. 
and those are all really cool things and those are great things that you could like send cool tweets about to your friends and you know think quite smugly of yourself but you know face it like that's not really very realistic maybe if you live in Brooklyn or in Portland or in Berkeley or someplace like that and that's your life and that's sort of my life I have to admit I'm a part of that but what about everybody else I mean that's only a few a few of us and there's a lot of other people you know the whole food locavore farmers market life is really great but seriously I mean who does it really benefit it's a pretty small group of us. You as Heritage Radio listeners, of course, are probably them. But think about everybody else you know. Think about the millions of other people out there who maybe we're not reaching. And we're a pretty small group. And, you know, sometimes we tend to be a little elitist. We're kind of like the popular girls in school. A little elitist, a little exclusionary. So that's where Let's Get Real and myself come in. So on Let's Get Real, as we continue on future episodes, I'm going to walk down the aisles of the surreal world of food with you. I'm going to hold your hand, and I'm going to serve you up a heaping dose of reality by separating the food from the foodiness so you can forage and hunt and gather and trap and fish for real food anywhere, not just in hipster urban cities full of CSAs and farmer's markets, but even in your foodiness-filled hyper-mega market. And you've listened to my show in the past, I'm assuming, I hope. So you know who I am. You know that I am the incisive, pragmatic, sarcastic, and unrepentant know-it-all that you've come to know and love on just about everything when it comes to food. Well, on Let's Get Real, what I'm going to do is take the job of sifting out Everything that's fake from the world of food, from foodiness marketing and cooking show shams to the endless health halo greenwashing that we've all become victim to and the oh-so-annoying Whole Foods righteousness so that you'll never unknowingly chow down on carpeting again. And you don't need a chicken coop or a garden or a beehive to do it. So we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about food and foodiness.
Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Erica Wise. Uh, so in the first segment, uh, I was explaining to you about the difference between food and foodiness. And that'll be a theme that I'm going to keep coming back to on Let's Get Real because that's really what it's all about, helping you figure out the difference between food and foodiness. So we're all human. I'm assuming you're all human. We live in the real world, and humans are designed to eat food. That's easy, right? Humans eat food. It's what we were meant to eat. So we talked about what foodiness is before, but let's talk about what food is. It's actually kind of hard to define now what food is. So I would define food as anything edible that swam or walked or flew or that grows out of the ground. That's food. It's pretty straightforward. And has not been tampered with at all. Now, by tampering, I don't mean cooking or, you know, basic processing, freezing, drying, that sort of thing. I mean, that's pretty easy. You know, we all know where to buy food. We know where food comes from and we know how to cook it, right? Well, you know, maybe not. There isn't a whole lot of whole food around anymore. If you go into your typical American grocery store... There are actually over 20,000 products on a grocery store shelf now. 20,000 different products. And how many of them do you think are actually food? It's probably less than 500. So what's all the rest of it? What is all that stuff? How many of them are foodiness? Well, I can't do that sort of math. That's why I wound up being a chef and not a doctor. But you can figure it out. That's not a lot of food in a gigantic gigantic world of foodiness. So if it walked or swam or flew or grew out of the ground, it's food. But if it walked or swam or flew or grew out of the ground, but it's been altered in some way, other than in the basic ways that we process our food, or if it came straight out of a manufacturing plant and it bypassed any of those steps, then it's foodiness. So in a nutshell, foodiness can be defined as something edible, that's presented as if it's food, but which, in fact, isn't completely and totally food or the food that it claims to be originally. So you can actually kind of break foodiness out into degrees. You can play the six degrees of foodiness separation game with it. So, for example, you could take something like a strawberry, you know, a beautiful, perfect, fragrant strawberry grown in a garden or grown on a farm, preferably pesticide-free and in season, that's food. If you took that strawberry and you cooked it down with a bunch of sugar and added some pectin and turned it into jam, maybe that would be first-degree foodiness. There's nothing really wrong with strawberry jam. It's just not a strawberry anymore. And then maybe if you took that sort of strawberry jam-like stuff and put it in the bottom of a container of yogurt that was sweetened with sugar or even worse, NutraSweet, maybe that's second degree foodiness. And it goes on and on and on, foodiness degree by foodiness degree, until you get down to the end where you get something like a strawberry fruit-filled, in quotes, breakfast pastry bar. I don't want to name names, but you know what I'm talking about. That's been filled with a paste that doesn't actually contain any strawberries. It may not even contain any actual fruit, but it's called a strawberry breakfast toaster pastry bar. 
It's meant to taste like strawberries, but it's not strawberries. It's foodiness because it seems like food. It acts like food. It tastes sort of like food, and it's treated like food, but it's not food. So if you look on the website for this show, which is letsgetrealshow.com, you can actually check out my flog. Now, it's not my blog. It's my flog. It's my foodiness blog. And on there, I have a great example of an apple and how I've taken an apple from food to foodiness. And you can see all six degrees of the apple as it makes its horrible plummet down into the world of foodiness. So you can check that out on the website. And so as we go ahead into the future of Let's Get Real, I'll be taking you on a trip. We'll go on a trip together. It'll be so nice. Through the grocery aisle, through the stores and through the aisles. And there we can gaze upon rows and rows of foodiness items because you know there are over 20,000 in a store. And then we can push our shopping carts really, really fast, as fast as we can past all of that and go out into the periphery of the supermarket where the actual food is. And I'll show you how to navigate those mega marts and I'll show you how to steer clear of the Soylent Green so you don't wind up eating people. So you wind up eating food, not foodiness. And even if you live in a place where maybe you don't have a farmer's market or a CSA share or you don't have a neighbor growing chickens or a beehive on your roof or a health food co-op or any of those other great things that we are lucky enough to have here in the great urban centers, maybe you live somewhere out where maybe you only have a mega store. You can still make sure that you're saying no to the fake and yes to the real because it's still there. It's in that store. You just have to know how to find it. And the food manufacturers do a really, really good job at hiding it from you because they don't want you to buy the actual basic food product because it doesn't make them any money. They want you to buy the value-added product. They want you to buy the strawberry-flavored breakfast pastry toaster bar, not the strawberry. And you can go to the vlog every week and you can check out weekly posts about foodiness so you can make sure you never get caught with your hand in the proverbial foodiness cookie jar again. So remember what I said earlier on in the show, cooking is really what made us human. And if you listen to Why We Cook way back when, and even in last week's show, I talked about that. That was what I had originally based that show on, the idea that as humans we figured out how to harness fire. Apart from any other mammals, we were the only ones who figured out that if we harnessed fire and we put our food on the fire, then that food would become much more nutritious and much more available to us. And because we figured that out and we started doing it, we were able to ingest a lot more protein because cooked meat is a lot easier to chew and a lot easier to eat than raw meat. And because of that, we got these big brains. And it's great we got these big brains and we started walking upright and we started making meals and sitting down and socializing and looking each other in the face and it civilized us and it tamed us and it created societies and it really made us who we are. But unfortunately, then we took these big brains and we invented things like chemicals and factories and corn syrup and modified food starches and NutraSweet and Jamie Lee Curtis and her yogurt and That's where we all really went wrong. So remember earlier I said cooking made us human, but foodiness is making us inhuman. And when you put Soylent Green in your Netflix queue, you should also put Wally 
in your Netflix queue because the people in Wally are the people who are created by foodiness. So foodiness has made us lose the ability to know the difference between eating food and eating shit. And if you don't want to eat shit, you should tune in next week for more Let's Get Real. So if you go to the Let's Get Real show website, you can also check out future episodes. And I'm going to be covering a lot of different topics in the future after tonight, which of course is our premiere show. We'll be talking a lot about the inconvenience of food. What I mentioned earlier, how real food has now become a really inconvenient thing to try to find and process and eat. And I know people don't have time to cook and it's difficult and it's hard, but it's really not that hard and you really have no excuse. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you there together. And we'll be doing shows in the future on fruit, things like strawberries, which you should only eat when they're in season for those two weeks in June that they're in season and not anywhere else. So I'm going to be doing a show on meat, on grass-fed versus grain-fed and pastured versus caged and all those different topics that I touched on on why we cook, but we're going we're gonna to talk about them a lot more here. Um, we'll be doing a show on dairy, organic dairy versus non-organic dairy and why it's so important for you to choose the organic dairy. We'll be talking about things like breakfast cereals, which ones are good, which ones aren't good. Maybe none of them are good. We'll go there. And of course, we'll be talking about what you should drink because my feeling really is that if it comes in a bottle, but it's not alcohol, maybe you shouldn't be buying it and you should be drinking it with a few exceptions. So those are just some of the upcoming topics that I'll be covering on the show. And you can also always follow the show on Facebook. There's a new Facebook page for the show. It's Let's Get Real on Facebook. And, of course, the new website, which is letsgetrealshow.com. And I'm still tweeting under at Chef Smarty Pants. So you can still always find my tweets on at Chef Smarty Pants. So I really hope that you'll start listening to the show. And if you were a Why We Cook fan, I want to thank you for listening to all 99 episodes of Why We Cook. And I hope that... Let's Get Real can be a continuation of where we went together with Why We Cook and where we can maybe go in the future. So remember that if you don't want to eat shit, you really need to listen to Let's Get Real. And you can always find us here on Heritage Radio Network. Good night. following is a message from the Climate Reality Project. Join us on September 14th to the 15th for 24 Hours of Reality, a presentation delivered in locations around the world sponsored by former U.S. Vice President Al Gore. View the live stream at climaterealityproject.org. Go to our website, tell your friends, join our watch party, and help others learn about what can change in a day. Again, that's climaterealityproject.org. This is a message from Fork and Anchor. 
Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today.